Hey, this is Billy Martin, and I'm Ben's guest on Big Fat Five this week. What up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Billy Martin, a.k.a. Illy B, a world-renowned drummer, educator, visual artist, filmmaker, record label owner, nonprofit organizer, author, but above all, he's a creative through and through. If you enjoy this episode, please go check out Billy's interview with Mike Dawson on the Drum Candy podcast called Improvising and Cultivating a Creative Mindset. It's very fruitful. Billy has collaborated with some of the best, including, but not limited to, John Schofield, John Zorn, Iggy Pop, Natalie Merchant, Flea, Bill Laswell, Mickey Hart, but many people know him from his work with Modeski, Martin, and Wood, featuring himself, John Modeski, and Chris Wood. I recently checked out his, quote, anti-instructional, quote, movie, filmed alongside fellow teacher and friend, Alan Herman, titled Life on Drums, and I can't recommend it enough. We talk about the unique structure of the movie towards the end of our conversation, but we get into it right off the bat talking about soloing, something which Billy encourages all drummers to do first thing when sitting behind the kit, even if just for five minutes. We also get into a bunch of my insecurities surrounding creativity, which there's a lot, before jumping into the records that shaped Billy into the amazing musician he is today. Lots of good stuff in this one, y'all. Cheers. explain a little bit why you think soloing is so important yeah because you know i mean it, being that it's a free form expression you know like when you think of yourself if you think of yourself as an artist first of all you're a creator and you need to kind of develop your way of creating you know like let's just just get right down to the music part uh okay you're you're you're, you're you know you're developing your own style how do you do that uh, it's by in the soloing is kind of the the direct connection to your who you are you know it's like that's where you can really express yourself with n- not having any you know boundaries of like style or idiom it's just it's just expressing yourself so it's just like i think of it as like you know a, a bright canvas you know for a painter what am i gonna what painting am i gonna make today or in an hour what poem am I going to write? What song lyrics am I going to write? What symphony am I going to write? What, you know, what, what breakbeat am I going to write? Whatever, you know, all those things are a creative process and they come really from nowhere, honestly. Like, and when you solo, you have to kind of like put your head in that, you have to put yourself in that position where you're like, anything can happen right now. What am I feeling right now? Let me ex- get it out, you know? And it's like, it's really an exercise in just tapping into the source of creativity Without it being like, oh, my God, it's all over the place. Like, I, I don't know what to do. It's like, yeah, yeah, I need some ideas. No, it, you have to struggle and wrestle with this. And then 
over time, when you're like soloing before your practice, it's the first thing you do. You start to develop this kind of uh, way of getting things out on the notepad, on the canvas. How, you know, uh, these are all metaphors, but the idea of just playing something, record yourself playing something, and you're just exercising that part of your creative self to a discipline, actually. It's a discipline to get, uh, get ideas out. And they don't have to be perfect and fully formed, and the solo doesn't have to be an award-winning solo, and it doesn't have to be in any style or based on any drummer's solos. It's like you're, at, you're the composer. It's your world. It's your movie. It's your whatever, right? It's mm -hmm. your episode. It's your, and you just go for it, you know? And over time, you start to say, hey, I'm going to shape it this way. I'm going to shape it that way. This way, I'm feeling more energy. Uh, I'm feeling more love today, lightness. I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm, now I just want to you know, play a lot of rhythm today, all those things. And then you have to kind of guide yourself. And it's an exercise in just creating your own music and your own form. So it, it does two things. It, it helps you develop your own vocabulary. So some things that might happen in your solo, in your improvised solo, you may say, oh, wow, I never did that. Something just happened there. Like, let me remember that, add that to my vocabulary. The second thing is like thinking about form. It has a beginning. It has an end. Something happens. It's a journey. I'm taking people. I'm taking myself on a journey, and that becomes compositional. And it becomes sort of like a, you know, process in, in storytelling with music. And that's very powerful when you play with. Later, you come with other people, and you have that more confidence and more, you know, ability to kind of like, you know, be able to go tap into what you're feeling in the moment and use it. You know. Mm -hmm. So with, I, I make most of my money with, with rock and pop and indie drums. And so I'm not asked to solo in a performance ever, really. Um, and so do you differentiate between what you do in those theoretical first five minutes than what you would do with, with you know, Medeski, Martin, and Wood? Um, do you factor in listenability when you're doing that freeform thinking? Or is it really the word solo can be two different things? Does that make sense? It I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just soloing to me is it's your world, you know, it's like whatever the hell you want to do in that time, but you need to devote kind of attention and listening to what, what's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's a very creative thing. It's like these things can be used in your commercial, you know, drum playing life. It's like, you'd be surprised what comes out. One little thing that happens and it's like, that ends up being the most important part of a songwriter's, you know, riff that you created on the drums, a certain kind of beat that has a theme to it or the way you use the mallets and the, you know, it, you know, all these things, it's experimental, you're experimenting. So it's a total open-ended thing. So I just really think that like, I think people think like, how am I going to use this in my commercial like studio work when I'm just playing beats for someone? It's like, hell yeah, you're going to find things the way you hit the snare and the way it rings and the, the you know, the, the, the melody that you just played is a fill that, you know, all this stuff, it, you start coming up with ideas for singers and songwriters. And even though someone gives you a chart and says here, or they have the whole form, you learn it with them. You still have to come up with things that, you know, they're moments in the, in, in the, like, fine, you know, like that's fine. But you, but you have to understand that this is not something you have to do on stage. This is something you do when you're practicing and developing your own way of playing. There is something that's going to come out 
by just practicing a free open uh, say free yeah it's free free to play whatever you want uh it's an experimental moment you're giving yourself you're allowing yourself to like create find something by experimenting with ideas and it may just be like hey i'm going to turn the snare upside down and play it what does it sound like when i play on you know around the snare part uh or you know what if i use my hand and and this broom and i mm-hmm. you know those are those are kind of like ideas to start something and then you kind of like start to get into the to to more of a fuller like expression of composing like that's all i'm just trying to empower drummers to kind of go beyond like the idea of what a solo is it's a devel- it's, it's it's just like a composer you know, whatever, a classic idea of a composer sitting at the piano, that's such a thing. You know, it's like, oh, if you're a composer, you you have to play the piano and you have to write it on a score and it has to be like Beethoven. No, you anything you improvise that comes out of you that is sincere is your composition, your work, even a little passage, a little beat, a little fill. All that is composite. All those things are like little ideas. And with the soloing, it just helps you to kind of be more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So when it's time for you to create a beat for someone to just to throw down in the moment, you're more tapped into the moment and you're not thinking, oh, well, what is this? Is this reggae? Is this like, you know, big band? Is this like, what kind of solo is this? Like, you know, you don't think that way after a while. You're just, you're in the moment creating improvise. It's improvising. It's teaching people how to improvise. Uh, so I don't, I don't ever, yeah, the last thing I want, uh, the dr- drummer to to do is be like, I'm just not into soloing. I don't have any use for it. And then I have to say, no, you, you don't understand. Like if you just want to play beats for someone and you just want to be a sing songwriter drummer, this is still for you. You're going to find a way to make sound and swing a beat and do these things that are very nuanced that become who you are. It's like, it really helps, you know, tap into who you really are. So I think it's essential. I think it's really important, no matter what you do in your life, and even in outside of music. If you, if you get comfortable or just used to soloing and the discipline of improvising, experimenting, you could use that in anything in your life. It helps you to get through your life and make decisions in the moment and feel what's truly in your heart at the moment. What am I feeling? I'm having a conversation with this person right now. And if you're not open to improvising, if you have in your head like, this is what I'm going to talk about. And that's it. You know, then you're not going to really have a constructive conversation, you know, and music is conversation. So if you get your own dialogue together uh, alone, you can develop things to, to share with other people later. Maybe something will come out, you know, it's, a, it's kind of getting used to the being free and, and open, but disciplined, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get very vulnerable real quick, um, and I hope this doesn't come across as uh, as uh, overconfidence because it actually stems from a place of unfeathered insecurity. But um, you know, with with my drumming and creativity, soloing and doing that freeform stuff scares me because I'm I'm a professional drummer and. I I feel like I've 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 proven myself enough, and I've had little glimpses throughout my life of things that have shown me that I feel like I have a special creativity. I have something special to offer. But when I try and and, and solo sometimes and do that myself and kind of deliberately do that, I feel that I can't tap into that that source as often as I like. So it actually bums me out when I think that I'm not as creative as I think I am. If that makes sense. 
And so I think um, this is just me and maybe someone listening can can relate to this, but it's almost like I avoid improvisation because I'm afraid that if I tap into something that well isn't as deep as I thought it was. Um, so that's just my personal thing. Why I, I, I probably should do more of what you're saying, you know, cause it's yeah. there, but yeah, it is there. I can relate, you know, I'm a bit scared to death, uh, at times, you know, I force myself to play, you know, a set of solo music, solo drumming. I mean, and like, you know, I put myself in those positions, uh, multiple times and over time it just got easier and, you know, practicing soloing alone is practicing in front of an audience is another. And so it's, 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 uh, yeah, you're exposing yourself. It's a very vulnerable place to be. But once you kind of get past that and you start to feel actually comfortable with being in the moment and okay with being whatever it is, it is, it's like, you know, then you're, it's a liberating thing. You're liberating yourself from the, from all those, you know, uh, criticism, you know, you're like, overly critical things of oh my god i must not be so i'm not as good as i thought i was because i can't create things in the moment and solo and beating it don't beat yourself up everybody has anybody can improvise and create something so my whole thing is like just make sound like some people are so intimidated by soloing and there's like I work with classical musicians, you know, like where that's like, they're not trained to improvise except for cadenzas, like where they could slow something down or have a moment of like, you know, but it's like, they're petrified of it and they're incredibly technical and they can read anything and they incredible ears and, uh, collaborating with people like, you know, being able to hear and play in time and very sophisticated thing. But then it comes to improvising, they're scared to death. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And then I just tell them, like, just make some sound, just make sound, just make a sound with your instrument, like, or just open your mouth and say something or give me a tone. Just give me a pulse, like start there. It's so simple. You start there and then follow the next step, whatever it is you're feeling. And it just takes time to open that up. But I totally understand. It's a very vulnerable place to be. You know, it's the classic thing where you say, you know, it's like being naked on stage. You know, it's just like, you know, you're, you're, you're all just exposed there. And, um, and it's an opportunity for people to kind of, uh, you know, laugh at you or criticize you and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, it looks, I did life on drum. I made life on drums because I was tired of the over, technical drumming uh, acrobatic stuff that people think it's, so it's just a circus like if i can mm. just impress people by you know uh, playing really fast riffs and keep time and you know impress people with my acrobatics like that's going to win over the attention but it's not true if you are if you are really creative and you do something that makes people go, wow, I never thought that was possible. Or, wow, I had this feeling, you know, that was so when you played a certain way. And that to me is more important because then you're giving of yourself more as opposed to just, oh, I learned all this stuff and stick control. And, and I'm just, you know, doing acrobatic stuff, technical, flashy stuff. I want, I want to bring out, I want to help people bring out their, their music. You know, I grew up listening to and we'll talk about it, but I grew up listening to, you know, a, a lot of jazz drummers and a lot of sort of Pan-African drumming. But like mostly jazz drummers were and rock drummers where they're like, they're I could hear I can hear who they I know who they are right away. I can hear their sound. I know I know like right away I can hear I know the difference between Elvin Jones 
and Philly Joe Jones and Max Roach and Art Blakey and Jack DeJanet, Tony Williams. Uh, I just, it's just so clear to me most of the time because they have their own way of playing and they're not, you know, they're not just like doing a bunch of calisthenic stuff where they become just a, a blank slate of, you know, technical ability. You know, some people are really good at going in the studio and playing like other drummers. And I admire that. I think that's wonderful. Like you, you could kind of put your Steve get whatever your hat on. I don't know. And then like, you can just play whatever. Uh, but you know, people like Steve Gadd, for instance, like he is creative. Like he comes up with things that like have never been done before. Like you think about what is it? 51 ways to leave 52 ways to leave your lover. <laughs> yeah, 56 <laughs> ways. Yes. Yeah. 56. Yeah. No, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 50, something, In, 50 something ways. It went up. It went up. And that, that famous drum Latin kind of weird kind of drum beat was so like blew everybody's mind. It was so mm -hmm. cool. And like, that is someone who's like being creative and, ex and, and, and experimenting, you know, that's not, he didn't come in and open a book or say, oh, I'm going to do what this drummer did because that worked on another hit record. He created in the moment, you know, it may have taken time, who knows, you know, developing it, you know, in the studio, but you know, that stuff to me is, is, is powerful and creative and very unique to who he is, you know? It's so funny. Um, more often than not in bands I've been in, it's it's when I've, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'm sorry if, if listeners, I'm repeating myself, but I'm having a conversation for the first time with you, um, where a lot of times, the a lot of the parts that make the record are when the guitarist is like, hey, Ben, just like, I'm just going to work on something. Can you just loop something, you know? And I'll just be like texting on my phone or something, and I'm just like playing this mindless thing and then i'll do this like phil totally subconscious or unconsciously and he's like what what was that and that ends up being on the record so i'm I've, i guess i've never heard the story of of 50 ways to leave your lover but i'm curious if he was just just sat down and just did that not even trying to come up with the part not even consciously improvising yeah. but they're like what yeah usually heck, when man? you let yeah usually when you let your guard down and you're just kind of relaxed and stuff's coming out you know, stuff's like, like that, like you're relaxed and you're kind of like, it's not like you're not thinking about it in the box, thinking about it. It's just like, you're just kind of casually it's there, but you're, it's natural. And yeah. And then something kind of something, whatever. And then the, the person you're collaborating with is like, holy shit, that's it. You know, like, what is that thing? I mean, I can't tell you how many times that happens with me, but also I hear about other people, you know, like they come up with a part and it just, it's so weird and it works, you know, and that's the hook and the magic. I mean, you know, that's so important. Yeah. Well, the producer that we worked with on, I think it was uninvisible, this record, he, you know, he just told, he told me like, cause he had done like Paul's boutique with the beastie boys. And he was like, I'm just really taking your performance. I'm really into the things that are kind of wrong. Like the things, the weird stuff that happens, and then I kind of like find that, loop it, and do things. And I thought, I thought that's really cool because I'm really all about the beauty of imperfection. And I think honestly, that's truly the essence of the, who everybody is, what their personalities are. Is it? Some people have a swagger. Some people have a gap tooth. Some people have a lazy eye. You know, some people have a certain kind of swing. And it's just their swag. It's built in, and they're honest and open, and that's how they play. You know, and then there's people who like even work on even more of that, like me, 
bringing all these things out, experimenting and challenging myself. I pick up the pick up guitars now and basses and loops and stuff. And they're like this. I come up with this quirky stuff because I'm not like a fully through learned, you know, uh, guitar player. But I have rhythm and phrasing and good ear and like something will happen and I'll just loop it and whoa. And then that becomes a hook. You know, and then, you know, and those are like these little idiosyncrasies uh, you learn about yourself. And when you're when you're improvising, it becomes that becomes the real magic that you need in the moment. You need those things, those quirky things. Do you go out of your way to not get too good at guitar because you don't want to know where to go, if that makes sense? Well, I'm self-taught in a lot of things. And so like I, there is something about the allure of the mystery of like, you know, wow, what would it be like to really know what these chords are? Like what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what the formulas that people use, but I I've tried that so many times and really miserably failed that I feel like I'm going with my instincts, you know, and I'm like, I'd rather like, I'd rather be a guitarist who is like a Delta blues and there are some people have open tuning and like there's already a chord there. You just got to like, you know, it's like simpler. I'm a minimalist. You know, my thing is minimalist in a sense uh, as far as uh, the approach. So, yeah, I, I, I'd rather. Yeah, I, 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 it's too late for me to be able to play anything in any key. You know, uh, it's too late. I, I don't have time. I'm like really more interested in bringing new music you know that's my own personal way of making music and i've been developing it for a long time and i've like listened to a lot of classical music and a lot of folkloric music and 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 hip-hop and jazz and rock and all the other idioms under the sun uh and you know uh that to me is you know my that to me is my school and my my way of learning and then i just by experimenting and improvising and recording things uh, in the moment, I come up with things and then I can start to build compositions that way. You know, sometimes I'll say, oh, I'll play the blues form or something like that. But in general, there's no formula to what I do. It's like not knowing is really what it is. It's a Zen thing, you know, it's like not knowing. You're admitting you really don't know. Sure. <laughs> well, and my oh man it was like maybe six months ago, someone brought a ukulele home. And as I'm sure you know, ukulele is tuned completely different than a than a bass and a, and a, and a standard tuning uh, guitar. And I was like messing around with it, coming up with little melodies. I was like, oh, this is so catchy. I haven't heard this before. And I tried to like learn it on guitar and it was the most basic form. But uh -huh. it's like, you're like, but I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. So I would have recorded it. I would have moved forward with that idea. But I, when you learn that it's just, oh, a basic thing that you know is, has been done before, kind of melodically, uh, with the structure of a standard tuning, you almost dismiss it. Because you're like, well, hmm. but this is just this easy form. But it's like, sometimes it's better to not know that you're doing this thing that you just go off feel. Um, you know, so sometimes on like... If I'm improvising on a on a MIDI thing or something that's like in a in a grid, I'll come up with melodies that I would otherwise not move forward with because they're too easy. If that makes sense, you know, it's, it's sometimes yeah. it's, it's better to not know and just go off feel. Like I like this, let's just move forward. I agree, I agree. It's it ha I, ultimately if it speaks to you and your heart and you're like, this is so cool. I came up with this. Go with it and just just do it. Just develop. Go go develop as much as you can. Later, you can say, oh, yeah, that was done a million times. But like, well, it's done a million times. 
in different ways because it's cool because it is a good thing like you know a very mm -hmm. simple melody that's like play on guitar might be yeah very common but you know it's like saying playing you know some people say hey you got that beat that's the same beat you've been playing since you know <laughs> i first met you there's a certain thing that i do of course there are a lot of other beats that i do and i'm yeah. very creative but like i know what when people say that I, I i take it as a compliment because it works people are moved by it even though it's like you know yeah just playing just a, a simple little beat can be a beautiful thing and sometimes it's just the nuance you know mm -hmm. tone and like the timbre of the instrument and you know the amp that you use you know all those things like the the, the feel you put on it is a huge part of you know bringing something out that other people do in your own way you know so mm -hmm. you could use you could just give someone three notes mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised how amazing it could be with one person and just how how uh unimpressive it could be with another person mm -hmm. you know Hey, y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye well, let's get into your choices. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, and going back to what you said before about choices, um, that's what turns me on the most as I get older is not technicality. It's if someone decides to go to a floor tom on a second verse that I would have never thought of. And it's literally quarter notes on a floor tom. But for some reason, that is just puts, you know, gets the hair on the back of my neck standing up. That it, I love it so much. And so I want to know kind of what, what made Billy Billy. So... Let's just jump into your first choice. And is this sort of in, in order of succession of how you've learned them throughout your career? Or does it not really matter at all? We don't even have to categorize it. <laughs> nope. doesn't matter because, okay. uh, see, I think a lot of that stuff, except for maybe Lil' Kim or something, they were just like, they were all there already. They had the same, 
you know, when I was young. But like when I heard them, yeah, there may be a little order to them, but I, I don't remember. Okay. Well, that's It doesn't great. really matter. Well, arbitrarily, the first one is, uh, is Legalize It. It came out in 1976 mm-hmm. by the artist Peter Tosh. And yeah, um, we can play it first and then we can talk about it. Or do you want to kind of set it up a little bit? Well, all I can say about this is it was like my brother had this record laying around. It was in the 70s. You know, he went off to college. I had his record collection and I was like definitely into the weed. Like I thought it was so cool that someone had put sitting there in a field of weed, you know, (laughs) and it was a reggae. It was reggae, which I was definitely into, like Bob Marley and stuff like that. And this Mm -hmm. record had a really big impact on me because I really felt I really felt this, the, um, you know, how Peter Tosh was really special in his own way and the way the record was produced and the way the music was played and the way the songs were written and the way he sang them, the fills, the, the horn parts, the rhythm section. It was much, it had a very, to me, a very personal, deep kind of groove and just like the fills were in different places and the drummer and just riffs were different every it's just the whole thing the way the tambourine kind of skips was just so beautiful and so natural it just felt like i had a new discovery for me it was like wow this is a whole new thing to me even though i was already familiar with some reggae Mm -hmm. it was like this was like in its own class it's still a classic to me it's still as powerful as it ever was it's timeless and it's just really, you know, part of it is about groove and delivery and phrasing. And do you want to just play the title track, Legalize It? Sure. All right, here we go. We'll listen to a majority of it. I mean, the call response with the voices, the way they're phrasing, just the tambourine alone is so, such a beautiful feeling. Uh, yeah. Skipping groove, you know, just swinging. And it's right in between straight eighths and triplets. And then the drum fills, you can hear how the drums sound and the way they're filled. It's almost... I don't even, it doesn't even sound like the snares are on. They probably are, but it's just like. And then the simple, you know, the bass. All of the parts are essential. There's nothing wasted here. (laughs) And I don't think of things like this, except the fact that we're listening to it now. I can say that like everything that's, there's nothing wasted in here. It's all, nothing's in the way. And there's a lot going on. Judges smoking 
It's where, I, where you'll hear me even today. I they got to get that dead bugger to do, you know, those kind of fills. <laughs> sure. You know, like it's just embedded in my vocabulary from listening to this and playing, you know. It's such a vibe, man. Such a vibe and like just, oh, just a dance. You just, it just, I don't know, makes you want to just kind of gently move and dance. It's just, I don't know, to me, it's just like really, really hit me, you know, in the heart and in the soul, soulful stuff. Even though that, and it's also a political message, you know, legalizing weed and stuff. But um, so, of course, that as a kid, as a teenager, you know, I was like, oh, that's so cool, you know. But really, it was the music. There's other tunes in there that just, oh, the way everybody's playing, it's just such a, the whole record is just like, yeah, it's just a vibe, man, the whole thing. Yeah, it's really hard to get that 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 feeling correct. I have attempted many times, and that is a, yeah. it's a very specific vibe. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way they play, you know, it's so it's sincere, but it's also like, you know, it's with intention, you mm -hmm. know, too. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody we could play like that exactly. And why would you want to let them have that? And we we, we take, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, I can do You know, those are the things that I get. And that's what I put it. That's what I can do with my drumming. And but then it's not going to be I'm not going to make a record like that. I can't do that. I can't sing. I don't have a voice like his. I don't, you know, but that will come out in my playing, you know, at certain times, you know, uh, when it's like coming out, it'll come out, you know, <laughs> that that that's very profound. Let them have that. I really like that a lot, even though it's a simple, simple concept It's something that I don't think about enough. And that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, my approach to that before we move on just quickly mm -hmm. is that, yes, let them have it. Don't, you know, you don't need to emulate what they do. You can do that at home. Like you should do it. Like, you know, unless you're a top 40 band, like just, you can, you want to emulate it and, and that it gets the music inside of you. But then when you're actually playing like that, you're creating your own version, you know, it's, it's, so it's sincerely like, you know, you learn the language, you learn the dialect, you speak. And then, but then you create your own thing and some of that stays with you and comes out in your music, but that's their thing. And you do your thing and we learn by listening and, you know, we absorb some of that stuff and we, we mix it up and it comes, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Number two, uh, talking book by Stevie wonder came out in 1972. And that is of course, Stevie wonder on drums on this record. So, uh, yeah, take it away. <laughs> yeah. Did you want me to play a little bit of it? You want me to play? Just a tiny bit. Just play a tiny bit. So, yeah. Uh, what did I? <coughs> yep, yep. Superstition. Yeah, superstition. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Just a bit of it. Yeah, yeah of course. Thank you. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, everything about it is rhythm and feel. And of course, it's soulful as, as anything. Uh, the drumming is like, you know, when he plays the fills and the phrasing, it swings and then it's a little straighter. There's very, you know, there's these, these kind of variations and nuance in the way he plays. Uh, it's just so, so compelling, so deep and uh, says more than just being a drum beat for a song. It says it's talking to you. It's, you know, this is the thing I think about drumming and drummers, really good drummers, is that they could play a beat through a whole song and the song could be beautiful and amazing and heart wrench, whatever. But the drumming, when it's really like this, it's saying something to you. Like it's it got more to offer than just providing a pulse for the song. It's actually speaking, you know, in its own way. And that's it was a really important. I think the drummers need to understand that, like, you got to understand what speaking is and what drumming is speaking. Like if you can speak with your drum, it's a very African thing, you know, pan-African thing, especially West Central Africans. Like the drums are speaking like a language, you know, there's a system, but it's also how you say it. And like, even when you groove, it's like as minimal as that can be the way you play the fill, where you play the fill and how you swing things and how you skip through is speaking. It's saying something. It's deep. It's 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 a it's a soulful drumming. <laughs> and he, he he obviously you know he, being a composer and being someone who's super creative comes up with all those parts. It's so personal. His whole his whole system and vocabulary of rhythm alone is so uh, sophisticated. You know. I think there's something I subconsciously didn't, didn't realize. I haven't listened to this song in a long time, but after his crash cymbal, he does like an open hi-hat into the backbeat. Um, I think I, I realize I do that. I'm not sure if it's from this song or not, but uh, I was listening to it and it's like, oh man, did I lift that without realizing it? But um, well, it's a cool thing because it extends the fill over the bar line in a cool way. And, you know. Yeah, that's the beauty of really falling in love with music and playing is that you just by listening, you can actually just absorb what it is and it comes out in your playing. It's again, back to speaking back to, you know, like the, 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 the vocabulary of us speaking with each other right now, you know, I'm picking up on how you speak. We're talking, we're going back and forth. I go somewhere else and they're speaking a little bit differently and they're like that little. And then there's someone like, yo man, like, whoa, like, this is crazy, you know? And they're like, and then you kind of like pick up on that and you're like, ha, I want to express myself. You just get in the moment with that stuff. It's very musical. It's very personal, uh, you know, and then, and it's the same thing with drumming. Uh, I hear, when I hear Stevie playing on that, I mean, I even, I heard that he like may have played the hi-hat separately and like, great, man, because that stuff is like so cool. And the fact that that little open hi-hat thing, yeah, definitely. I definitely was influenced by that. Like that was, that was my drum lesson before I played the drums, mm -hmm. you know, I would, that's definitely like getting so into that music and loving every dancing around my room and with my friends, whatever. And hearing that music on the radio and stuff, and my brother's playing it was just like, that was my lesson. It's just, it's, it's oral. It's an oral tradition. You listen, you watch, and it comes out, you know, you don't have to sit there and practice and learn it necessarily all the time. It gets inside of you, you know? Mm -hmm. 
All right, so let's see if uh, I, if I have the right song this next time. The albums, and maybe I'll pronounce it right. Gree Gree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gree, yeah. By Doctor yeah. John, and is the song Mama Roo or Mama Row? Yeah, Mama Roo. All right, Mama yeah. Roo. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's just play that. And the drummer on this one is, I guess, everyone in the band had Doctor in front of them, but this is Doctor John Boudreaux. Um, just so you know. Yeah, I thought it might have been Zigaboo, uh, but maybe not. Zigaboo was on quite a few Dr. John, the meters played on a lot of Dr. John records, but honestly, I don't know who the actual drummer is on this. That, that's, that's from Wikipedia. So it might, it might easily be Zigaboo. Maybe Dr. John Boudreaux is the one that wrote that <laughs> Wikipedia post. Who knows? But uh, yeah, Mama, Mama Roo. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's interesting, you know, all this stuff that we're listening to is like very formative for me in my, you know, in the seventies, I was like 10 years old you know, in 73, I was 10 years old. So it was like, you know, and I was really into this music and it happened to be on the radio, this stuff, like, and it happened to be what my brothers were checking out and I just happened to be around. So, but it was extremely found informative to me. And so, of course, there's like a lot of nostalgic things, but like the thing about this track to me is like, it's another version of garage music to me. It's like, this stuff was made in a shack. It sounds like it is. And their approach is like, now you can hear, like you were talking about the tom sounds and like the timbales and stuff. It's like Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean, you know, New Orleans is like a melting pot of Caribbean, African and European stuff and French and but like you can hear that stuff in their playing and the instruments, the cowbells, the kind of rhythms. It's just all so that again, it comes back to vocabulary and what the vocab what they're speaking musically. It's blending in all those things like a like a jambalaya, like a gumbo. They talk about like, you know, when they're blending in all those ingredients in the food. It's the same thing. Different cultures mixing and like and that's what this record is to me. It's very magical. The voodoo thing, the Haitian voodoo, the New Orleans voodoo is very strong. Uh, this sort of magic and, you know, like the magic potion feeling of psychedelic kind of like stuff and just groove and soul and kind of lazy, like, you know, just the whole thing is just like I could sort of relate to it, you know, in a lot of ways as a kid too, growing up in New York City was in the 70s was like pretty funky, you know, the funky, funky, you know, the city was, you know, street, your street life was deep, you know, like, yeah. and I can hear the street life, the lazy kind of street life and the kind of like funkiness of everything is really captured in this in this record and that song. And again, it's back to dance, feeling the pulse, feeling the groove and the way they're playing, the way they're speaking it. 
So it influenced me. It influenced me to get into, you know, like just feeling, feeling like this is a Latin thing. I also, I growing up in, in Northern Manhattan, you know, uh, on 200 street Broadway, like, you know, it was a lot of Puerto Rican and Dominican people playing their music, people playing in the park and stuff. And, uh, so that was like, I could relate to that. That was like definitely seeping into my consciousness. Like there's a deeper level of groove and expression, you know, that I want to incorporate in my drumming. You know, some people might say, oh, that sounds like a cha-cha, you know, it sounds like a this and that. It sounds like a mambo, you know, it's like, or tango or whatever. You know, people used to put all kinds of words on things and they didn't know what they're talking about, including me, until I really me, knew. Including me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like, uh, yeah. So anyway, but so you can hear the influences and, and that was influencing me, you know. And my mom used to play some of this music in her dance recital. She was a dance teacher and I was tap dancing at a very young age, you know, to music, uh, and and so like all this stuff was mixing in and becoming part of who I was, you know. Again, again, developing a vocabulary of hearing and playing. All right. So number number three or no, number four is uh, Interstellar Space came out in 1974, and that's by God, John Coltrane. All the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the the drummer for this one is uh, Rashid Ali. And yeah. I believe the song you sent me is Jupiter Variation. Yeah. All right, let's just play a little yeah, bit. Of that. Listen to a little yeah, a little bit of it. It's good. So these are revolutionary times, you know, there's a lot of different things going on. Uh, you know, uh, Coltrane and Rashi were not the only people playing like this, you know, Albert Eiler, Sun Ra, Cecil Taylor, they were all experimenting with like breaking, breaking down things into beyond music, what music it is. It's like, it's, it, you know, for Coltrane, a lot of this late period for him was a spiritual thing. It was like a, you know, he, every track on this record is, starts with the bells. They sound like sleigh bells. And it's just this, like, it starts every track, and then it goes into the sheets of sound. And what's beautiful about it is they're, they're going beyond. They're playing, they're like extended technique is what they're doing. They're like going beyond what we expect from these instruments. And they're expressing a whole other realm. And I really have to say, in some ways, it's on a spiritual plane because because that's kind of what Coltrane was really trying to find something else, you know? And uh, so he was really stretching out and playing like sheets of sound and harmonically playing a linear instrument. Same thing with Rashid, just like playing these sheets and uh, these phrases, playing like a river, 
you know, and like that whole thing to me was like just mind blowing. Like I couldn't stop listening to this record, partly, mostly actually, because why I was so attracted to this record because I was so tired of just playing a beat all the time. People wanted me to just play beat, beat, beat after beat. And I wanted to express myself in other ways. I, you know, I listen to classical music, avant-garde music, experimental percussion music, you know, and I'm like in ritual music from all over the world. And I'm like, I want to do that. And when I heard this record, I was like, this frees me up. This make this, 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 you know, allows me to kind of say, Hey, I could like, this is a beautiful thing that I hear. I want to do it. So, uh, listening to that record over and over again was just kind of like so liberating for me. It was like, hey, here's a whole other way to play. And that's when I started to get into sound and color and texture and and all these things. And um, what's really interesting about Rashid Ali is that actually, and Bob Moses told me this because they had played in, in, their, in his later years, Bob Moses and him, uh, Bob Moses, a great drummer, mentor of mine, uh, was playing like double drums with him in a band with this guitarist, the CG Munoz, and they kind of played more free stuff. But he told me, he said, you know, like this free drumming thing is not, is not, is not just, uh, just like scribbling, you know, like a bunch of crayons of paper. He said, this Rashid Ali could groove your ass off. Like he, he could, Rashid Ali was an incredibly funky drummer. He said, but he just chose so like he was done with that and he was just kind of expressing himself in another way. And uh, I think it's really important to remember that because some people just think, oh, this drummer can't play any rhythm. That's, so that's why they're playing like that. But it's not true. It's a choice that they make. It's an artistic kind of like, you know, a chapter in their life where they're just kind of exploring a whole other realm. And I really admire that. And I think it's really important to, for drummers to kind of explore that side because when you come back, your groove just gets stronger, honestly. It's like people think, oh, you just have to play groove and you have to play real hard, all this stuff to be funky. It's like, no, you need to like explore the feminine side of things and a whole flow and a formless way of playing. And then you bring that back into your, your beats and you'll see how incredibly powerful it makes you, you know, people react to you if you're playing and stuff. So it's really important to remember that, you know, like this, this free drumming thing is, it's a discipline and it's a choice that, you know, this drummer made with Coltrane at the time to do, to explore this whole other realm, whole other dimension, you know? Do you have off the top of your head, any examples of like records? If people want to hear Rashid do stuff other than this, if, if, if they do want to check that out of what you're saying. Well, he did a bunch of, he did some more records with Coltrane. Uh, these later records that he played with uh, to CG Munoz, and Tsiji is like T I S Z I J I Munoz M U N O Z. I'm not sure exactly the spelling, but Tsiji had a bunch of later records. Uh, he, I mean, uh, Rashid is a whole history through the '60s and '70s. He had a club. He had a club in the city. He had his own space, you know, loft kind of space that he had. There's so much. Like I, I specifically can't say, but I would say drummers like him that are really mind blowing is like Milford Graves is an incredible drummer. That's a whole other way of playing free drumming. And so, yeah, uh, I think there's a record, a solo record of Milford's called, I think it's called Unify unity. And it's on John Zorn's label, this exotic label. 
uh, check that out. You know, like check out uh, Milford Graves playing. You know, it's a whole other way of playing free, and it's actually you hear more rhythm in Milford's playing. You hear more. You hear more like you'll hear things like different kind of rhythms, but they're like they're weaved in in a way. It's just so beautiful. Um, so, so anything like when you learn a beat and you learn like whatever you might learn a samba, you learn a bossa nova, or you learn a you know, mambo, or you learn a you know a shuffle. Uh, all those things, when you start playing free like this, those things can actually come in and out of your playing in very interesting ways. It's like painting and just having a mural of like all your whole life experience, you know, in, in one performance. So it's a beautiful way of expressing and exploring the other side of yourself. No, I'm actually going to take your advice. I want to uh, be deliberate for the next uh, few months at least and just like just try and do that every time I sit behind the drum set and, and have it be the first thing I do. So you definitely inspired me to go down that, that rabbit hole. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm excited and also very nervous. But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, free, free. This is the thing. The solo, the free solo. You're free to play like what you just heard. You're free to play like super rhythmic. You're free to play any way you want. But it's part of it is just the committing to like where you're going to go. What are you feeling right now? Go there, you know. And if you're not sure, just sound check the drums and just kind of make some sounds and see what happens. Follow through on that. You know, you don't have to. You don't want to preconceive things. You don't want to say, oh, I'm going to play this. No, you just start making sound and then see where it takes you. Well, I know in the, in the Mike Dawson uh, interview that you had, you were talking about how Michael Carvin, he had a big influence on you and just said, play like a sunset or something. And there's so many different ways that, uh, you know, starting points, jumping off points. Definitely. And that's another thing I was going to yeah, I was going to say, thank you for bringing that up because yeah, I, w I would say, yeah, play, what's it like to play a rainstorm? You know, play the wind blowing through certain kind of trees, you know, play the waves, play, you know, play those kind of sounds that are just play, you know, that are just kind of, they just, they're, they're just, it's soothing in a way, but like, how can you make that much sound and can you do it gently? You know, can you do it? Exactly. Oh my you God, know, can yeah. you do it gently? Can you do it loudly? You know, totally. Yeah. Um, good for you. Good for right. your technique. Good for your muscles. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of me saying um all the time, the next album is Ah Um. Uh, uh, came out in 1959 uh, by mm. Charles Mingus. And the yeah. song that you suggested, I, I mean, besides the whole record being amazing, is Better Get Into Your Better Get It In Your Soul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's just play a little bit of that, and then and then we'll talk about it. And the drummer on that record, at least that song, is uh, Danny, Danny Richmond. Richmond. Yep. Yeah. All right, here we go. Thank you. 
Yeah, so here come the solos. So, oh my God, Danny Richmond was a revelation for me. Uh, I always wanted to play, be a, be a good jazz drummer, and I, I never will be, honestly, like that. Like this kind of growing up playing that way, like a bebop drummer. Uh, now, Danny was like the was such a beautiful uh, revelation for me because, first of all, Mingus music is some of the greatest American music ever written. It's kind of like a lineage from like you know Duke Ellington and so soulful. All the players that are in there are so amazing. They're all drummers themselves. The way they play is what I'm saying. Like you hear that horn section, is there's no way they're going to play out of time. Doesn't matter what Danny does or what Mingus does. Their time is so good. So, but Danny, what I love about Danny is that he's so soulful in how he plays. He can swing his ass off, but he's also loose and it's not so precise. So it's not this like super technical drummer. Like it was a relief to hear him play because his playing is so much more powerful and so much more grooving to me. And I'm like, why? Because sometimes it sounds like he's kind of catching up. It's missing some things and like it's kind of loosey-goosey but it's like you feel his intention you feel the internal drive of his playing is so strong you it's so confident and fun and loose that like there are things that just get like a little sloppy but they're beautiful sloppy i wouldn't even say sloppy it's unfair to say that but just this kind of idea where like no, it's not like perfectly but you feel it and uh, the heart and the way he it's very conversational like when he's playing that waltz he's in between when the horns play a melody he answers it with something and every time he answers it different and it's like the way he swings and the the bubbling perk it's a keeping that up oh man incredible and danny richmond and mingus is like no no better combination of like bass and drummer and jazz like uh like it's such a really match made in heaven you know yeah, when you listen to this, uh, you trust him. You know, it's like you trust that he's listening to what's going on. He's intentional. And whether it comes across as, like you said, sloppy, um, he does enough of the back and forth with what's going on that you trust his direction, whether you understand it in real time the first time you listen to it or not, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It's, I mean, I think that's the beautiful part of it. You do. He is really listening. You can yeah. hear him listening, and he is there with you. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. He's not like, you know, watching TV or like, you know, <laughs> he's like listening and he's like really there because that music is, you know, it's intense, you know, it's just stuff, the parts that are written and, but, you know, yeah, amazing. Like such, that was such a revelation for me. It made me feel so much better about who I was as a drummer. Uh, you know, I didn't have to be perfect technically that I had to be, my heart had to be in it. The sincerity of playing and being in the music and being myself, you know and grooving in my own way and not having to feel like I have to groove like someone else. Mm-hmm. All right. Two more. And this one, this one's a curveball, and I love it. Uh, from what well, actually the last two are, are different, are considerably different. So the album's hardcore, uh, by Lil Kim <laughs> came out in 1996. Very explicit stuff, by the way, families yeah. beware. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put explicit on this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, the song is queen. Well, right here, queen bitch. And so, yeah, let's just play a little bit of that tune and then we'll, We'll go from there.
I bet you Biggie bust him. He probably tried to fuck him. I told him not to trust him. Lyrically, I dust him. Off like flat. Hit hard like sledgehammers. Bitch with that platinum grammar. I am a diamond cluster hustler. Queen bitch, supreme bitch. Kill a nigga for my nigga. By any means, bitch. Murder scene, bitch. Clean bitch. Disease free, bitch. Check it. I write a rhyme melt in your mouth like Eminem's. Roll with the mafia. Remember them? Tell them when I used to mess with gentlemen. Straight up apostles. Now strictly niggas the jockey. Kill a nigga for the figure. How you figure? Your cheddar would be better. For better inside the brevet. She's good. Oh my god. This is great. Got buffoons eating my pussy while I watch cartoons. Sleep to noon. Rap and breeze. Hilarious. Lyrics. So funny. Frank kill niggas wise for 1.5. Why you struggle and strive? We pick which bins to drive. The mafia, you wanna be him? Why you struggle and strive? We choose which bins to ride. That's funny. Or drive. Can you hear those trombones? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds like trombones. Yeah, this is minimalist, you know, stuff. It's like that intro sound it could be forever for somebody. But for me, I could listen to I'm cool with it because, like, you know, it's like it's setting you up. And when she comes in, it's just like, I mean, the, the intro is so cool. Like the, the piano sample, whatever that is, and the drum is super straight. All this influenced me. And also, it also just fortified or just kind of made me realize what i'm doing i'm on the right path when i heard this record and of course there are way many other records that led up to this from wasn't even called hip-hop before that it was just like different listening to different producers and djs mixed stuff you know you hear the way to, to, to very very almost like machine like but like it's with these other parts the way everybody else is playing it's like you know they're samples and the samples are not you know, they're not locking in perfectly in a certain uh, way, would you say, uh, what do you do when you quantize, right? So they all have a different swing and that creates this tension. So that, the intro goes on for a while. And then when she comes in, it's total command, total drum. She is the drummer. Like when you hear her phrasing, like that's what, that's the way I play a fill. Like when I hear, you know, but you know, all the thing, the way she's phrasing, is like total mastery of phrasing like 100 percent, 200 percent and that's where where i got from the hip-hop thing and the great rappers and and those moments where people made records like this where it was just like mind-blowing control of rhythm and phrasing and then that just seeps into my language as a drummer not just a drummer but also how i phrase when i play a riff on something else another instrument you know so uh total mastery of uh phrasing of course you know the hilarious you know sexual connotations and watching cartoons while i blah 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 yeah, <laughs> you know totally. it's just hilarious <laughs> and that's like this record was produced by biggie smalls and puff daddy or p diddy whatever he's called now and they really like the way they produced things really influenced how i played the drums after that it became a thing where like dropouts was like that was in there's no question about it. i'm going to drop out in the middle of an mmw thing like yeah, live in concert and that took a while for people to get used to with me like they were not used to it so sometimes when i would drop out they would stop 
And it'll be, no, 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 I'm just dropping my drums out. Yeah, yeah. You keep I'm it fine. going. Yeah. yeah. And that's like a really good, like I tell my students that all the time, like, you know, you're, you're with playing with a groove band and you're jamming along and it's just the same shit the whole time. Like someone's got to drop out at least. You got to start thinking about dance mixes and like how, how producers pulled tracks out and had acapella stuff going, but there's always time happening. So this was kind of like, you know, really got me thinking about that, like dropouts, you know, and like playing a beat differently at different times of the song, you know, and like my, the sampling where they throw this part in and that you sometimes you'd hear a different drum beat or fill thrown in and you knew it was not the same drum track. And then it was like, I, I want to do that. You know, I want to play a backwards fill that's like swinging more than the track. The, the normal drum beat is just super straight, but I want to swing this part or I want to be behind here. You know, like all those things, like, my God, this collaging of like music is like what you can do live. Yeah. And like when you hear records like this, you want to get rid of all your symbols because you're like, you don't yeah, need right. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do I hit a For crash sure. symbol ever? Yeah. Or use them differently, you know, like there's totally, different ways yeah. to get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we had Amazing. Aaron Tate from a band called Minus the Bear, a bunch of stuff, but Aaron Tate was, uh, I believe, actually last week, and we were talking about the low-end theory by A Tribe Called Quest. And oh, yeah. Similarly, uh, it just I like, wanted to throw that mind. one in. Yep, I yep. want that was another life changer. I mean, I could go back to Grandmaster, you know, Flash and The Message and all that, and but, uh, you know, Run DMC. But, but like, yeah, no, I would have, that, that was a big one. And then the far side, you know, Far, the Far Side, P-H-A-R-C-Y-D-E. Their first record was just incredible. There's a lot, lot, lot of records. Yeah, a lot of records. Yeah. All right. So, last one. And uh, the album is Enter the Wu-Tang. Wu came out in 93. Um, I'm not sure if I said the other one, but the hardcore came out in 96. So, this mm -hmm. one is uh, Enter the Wu-Tang, 93, uh, by... Wu Tang Clan and the song. And this is, is chronological in a way. Like I Wu Tang right. after you know, I wasn't listening to so much Wu Tang. I was listening to Lil Kim. It was happening in the moment in a certain way and and, and then Wu Tang, you know, like was like a, a later discovery, believe it or not. <laughs> awesome. They're, they're a band that I really have not gone down their rabbit hole, unfortunately. And there's no reason. I don't know why. It's like I see their shirts all over the place. I know there's a folklore of that album that, you know, is worth millions of dollars that is never going to be released oh, right. that's yeah. circulating. But yeah. I just I haven't gone down their rabbit hole. And so I'm really happy that uh, we're listening to this one right now. But this one is oh, uh, Wu-Tang Seventh Chamber um, off Enter the Wu-Tang. So here's a little bit of that song. Wow for the night, punks in the back, come on in the track to land in the front, let your feet stomp, niggas on the left, rack shit to death, hoods on the right, wow for the night, punks in the back, come on in the track to Just a drum beat and a synth line, and that's all you yeah. need. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. 
we gon' yeah, drink some yeah. late nights. Champion gear that I rock, you get your boots knocked. Then attack you like a pit, then lock shit down. Cause I come and freaks the sound. Hardcore, but giving you more and more. Like ding, not sure to get you open like six packs. Hill of bees attack, flipping what? Third one mm. tracks, alright? I kick it like a night flight. Work like I get that ass raw, going spike. Check the method from back rock. Cause I rock your head to back. Just like rocking what? Twin clocks. Shake the ground while my beach just break it down. Raw sound, going to war right now. So you're bombing. We usually take all niggas' garments. Save your breath before I bomb. I'll be that insane nigga from the psycho ward. I'm on the trigger. Plus, I got the Wu Tang swords. So how you figure? And you can even fuck with my. Hey, yo, Rizzo, hit me with that shit one time and pull the flare. Niggas say the beat, blow the cow. I'm milking this hoe. This is my show to cow. The fuck you wanna do? For this mic, we do. I'm like a sniper. Sniper off the ginseng root. PLO stab. Who the monks with the ass? And who's the fucking man with the cow? Amazing, like yeah. just incredible. Yeah, the RZA, you know, the RZA is the pretty much the beat maker producer there setting this stuff up, and like you could see how he just this you can't you can't like it's cliche, but you can't touch this. It's like it's so unique to who they are, what they do, and all of their uh, cameo. You know, when each one, whether it's Method Man or ODB, comes in. Pharaoh or Monch, whatever. They all have their own personality that is just raw and strong. And they're just like the way they phrase and what they say is so really so incredibly, you know, uh, colorful and, you know, fun. And then, but just listening to the drum, like you say, the drum and the synth thing is just incredible. And the way the drum is kind of like sitting back in a certain way. And then sometimes you'll hear like the, it sounds like, you know, like, yeah, the, the, the snare is like behind the kick just a little bit. There's a lot of drummers now doing all this staggering stuff, and it's a little bit overboard. It's a little bit too much for me, a little too. It's not with the heart. They're just doing it because it's cool. This stuff is the thing, and they're, you know, like, you hear it, and you're just like, oh my God, he's like purposely like moving things around or just, or just making choices like this beat with this thing. And, <laughs> and then you hear the saxophone, you hear these little riffs coming in that they're throwing in. And it just, it's genius, you know, it's just really amazing. And like a huge influence on, on like uh, me, like in every way, again, it's one of these things where like, yeah, that strengthens how my direction when I was going in with like musically, you know, and a lot, a lot of it for me is like what I do live. You know, it's not like like I sit around and I produce records all day long. I, I play live. I improvise. So all these sounds that I have around, whether they're like percussion instruments, bell sounds, whistles, uh, trashy stuff, metal, wood, they all get incorporated in this way where like drum beat drops out. Then you start to hear some percussion sounds, you know, uh, some of it's rhythm, some of it's just texture and then boom, back into the drum beat again. And that stuff really works really well with MMW when we get into that improvising, you know, jamming vibe uh, live or in the studio. I just drop out, we change the texture, you know, the tempo slows down just a touch or, or drastically. That's another thing that you'll hear them do. 
that intro to that, right? You hear it was like yep. a little bit up front. It was like, oh, this is like, I wasn't even sure that was the right track. I was like, I'm not sure that's the track <laughs> yeah, yeah. that I told you. And then I realized, though, that was the intro. Then it gets into boom. This whole other thing was like a slightly slower tempo. The sounds, you know, a drummer's got to realize the sound, the sound of your drums or the way you play the sound. You know, like you can get a lot of sounds out of the snare drum without switching your snare drum out. You know, you can loosen your snares, you can hit the stick closer to the rim. You can do so many different mallets you can use and you can put a tambourine over the snare. And you, you know, this whatever metal, whatever it is, you know, you can do all kinds of things. You could do that in performance in the moment, you know, and that's what kind of can really make something just come alive on another level. At least surprises, tension release, surprises, color personality well yeah at the beginning of that song it does slow down when like the more i guess the the song's main beat comes in but then when the vocals start the drums are out for the first like eight bars they're not yeah, doing anything yeah. and yeah. But you don't really notice that it, you still bob your head because they're so yeah. rhythmically doing stuff you know but yeah. that's the, yeah i mean i that's great <laughs> the drums to start off to just leave when the vocals come in it's just like that's, what is going on Right. And that, and that's the thing, what I said, even about whether it was Danny Richmond or whoever else, it's like, you feel the rhythm, even though the drums are not banging through the whole damn track, you can feel the rhythm, even if it's a little loose, it's just so internal. You know, I talk about internal timekeeping. It's really important. Everybody has really good time in a good band. Everybody has really good time, you know? not not just the drummer's job it's like everybody should have a good time and you can hear it even when there's like space and there's no no playing or very little playing you know it's key yeah wu-tang's amazing yeah incredible i'm excited to go down their rabbit hole um well, I think that's a good place to end it, but I do want to give you the chance if people do want to study with you because you teach improv. I mean, so many good nuggets here, but if people want to have one-on-ones with you um, or work with you in person, I mean, how do they get a hold of you if they want to do that? They can email me, Billy, at billymartin.net. Okay. Um, and it's not just improvising. It's like, you know, rhythmic, you know, vocabulary as well. You know, my book, Rhythm, Claves of African Origin is a very very straightforward way of like learning how to play two or more rhythms at once your independence and like you know get you know the groove going so yeah for sure yeah they can reach out to me in the email and uh i'll do it you know whatever zoom skype facetime or or come to my studio i've got you know lots of lots of cool stuff to check out and play i can see in the background that's a beautiful crowdiato my god it's gorgeous um, and then obviously everyone go, go check out life on drums. It's really cool. It's, it's, uh, it's you talking to, to Alan kind of going back and forth and then inter- intertwined with a bunch of your freeform solos. Uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. And the conversations you and him have can spawn a lifetime of, of, uh, creativity behind the drum set once you bring him back. So definitely go, everyone go check out that. Um, and you have a beautiful red Rogers kit behind you in that, in that video, which is oh, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other Rogers, which is more of the the other, what do they call it? It's just the green one. It's kind of greenish, but the leopard-looking one. Yeah, there's okay. three kits. The red Rogers, this other Onyx Rogers, and, and a Craviato kit. Yeah. And they're like, you know, uh, the, the life on drums, the, what was important to me is that it was a cinematic experience as well. I'm into filmmaking, and I'm into kind of like 
people having experiences like, you know, having playing drums in a different space, playing a different drum set in a different space mm-hmm. and, and kind of sending that message that like, you know, you can play differently in different spaces and you can you react differently. Your chemistry with the instrument is different. So I kind of like wanted to create those scenarios. I have my percussion student and percussion ensemble students playing inside yep. this bigger space and all those things. It's like being in a movie, you know, it's like uh, it's much more interesting to watch and, and, and feel, you know, and then to just sit in one room with an overhead and <laughs> a bunch of calisthenics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, I'll let you go. Thanks again for taking your time to talk to me on the weekend. Um, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Cheers, man. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, Anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Bye.